you to remain standing for our scripture reading, which comes this morning from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. Paul writes this, So when we couldn't stand it any longer, we thought it was a good idea to stay on in Athens by ourselves, and we sent you Timothy, who is our brother and God's co-worker in the good news about Christ. We sent him to strengthen and encourage you in your faithfulness. We didn't want any of you to be shaken by these problems. You know very well that we were meant to go through this. In fact, when we were there with you, we kept on predicting that we were going to face problems exactly like what happened as you know. That's why I sent Timothy to find out about your faithfulness when I couldn't stand it anymore. I was worried that the tempter might have tempted you so that our work would have been a waste of time. Now Timothy has returned to us from you and has given us good news about your faithfulness and love. He says that you always have good memories about us and that you want to see us as much as we want to see you. Because of this, brothers and sisters, we were encouraged in all our distress and trouble through your faithfulness. For now we are alive if you are standing your ground in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you, given all the joy we have because of you before our God? Night and day, we pray more than ever to see all of you in person and to complete whatever you still need for your faith. Now may our God and Father himself guide us on our way back to you. May the Lord cause you to increase and enrich your love for each other and for everyone in the same way as we also love you. May the love cause your hearts to be strengthened, to be blameless in holiness before our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his people. Amen. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I can invite you to be seated, please. <clears throat> this morning we're going to be continuing our sermon series where we're looking through Paul's two letters to the church in Thessalonica. Over the past couple of weeks, we've looked and we've seen about how Paul and Silas and Timothy, who were his traveling companions, fled the city of Thessalonica before a mob could catch them. Having gotten out of Thessalonica, they continued on to Berea with the mob behind them, chasing them. Eventually, they end up in Athens, as we read in this morning's scripture. And then at the end of this, and where Paul writes this letter, is from the city of Corinth. And all along, Paul writes that he intends to return to the Thessalonicans. So last week, we talked about how the Christian faith is like a journey. We looked at the scripture and talked about how it involves ups and downs. And we saw specifically how Paul wrote to the church and how he talked and how he saw that they had tried and tried to return. But he said, Satan kept hindering us from returning. And so in this morning's scripture, Paul continues that theme where he acknowledges that, that he was hindered from returning to Thessalonica. And he continues by writing how his prayer is that the Thessalonians' faith remains strong. But he also says this, My prayer is that your faith will remain strong, but that my faith will also remain strong. Even as he faced the persecution, even as he was experiencing this distance from a Christian community that he wanted to be a part of and that he wanted to be with to continue teaching and, and preaching. But what Paul fears is that the Thessalonians have been swept off course. Now in biblical times, the imagery that Paul would have been using as we think about it would be like a ship if you look at it on the screen here. 
You know, and so what he's picturing is he's picturing a ship that, that's being pushed through the water or it's, it's being pushed by the sails, but its rudder is gone. And so what Paul is saying and, and comparing for the Thessalonians to see and to think about is that what would it be like for them to be wandering through life without a plan and a purpose or without a direction? And so Paul's fear is that they're going to lose face. They're going to lose their faith. They're going to lose their direction. They're not going to know where they're going, and they're just going to be wandering around. Or they're going to end up on a different path because they've listened to someone who's teaching something false to them. And so in Paul's words, he says, our prayer is that you're standing on your ground, or standing your ground in the Lord. Because as we read his letter this morning, these are words that he could be writing to us. Where he writes about how he's worried about their faith and about their faithfulness. Because when Paul writes about faith and about faithfulness, uh, I think it's helpful for us to see that, that when Paul writes about faith, he's writing about a combination of things. Because he's writing, and his combination is, is when, when he talks about faith, he's saying, what is your belief about Jesus? But then also, how does your belief cause you to act because of Jesus? And so for Paul, when we talk about faith and we read about faith in the letters in the New Testament, I think we have to remember that he's not just saying that, that when he's writing about faith and he's hoping that their faith is strengthened, that, that their belief is strong, but he's also saying by your belief being strong, how is that translating into action in terms of your community and in terms of those even outside the Christian faith and the way you act and live? So for him, there's kind of this, this it's not a double meaning, it's a, stack, it's a, a combination. It's not just you know, a, a mental faith or a heart faith. But it's an action faith too. And so his concern is that the Thessalonians are going to lose that faith. His concern is that, that they're going to no longer believe in the center of the gospel, which is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so his fear is that the Thessalonians are going to, to stop listening to Jesus, to stop looking for the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives, and they're going to begin to, to listen to the voices that are planting seeds of doubt in their midst. We've all heard these kinds of questions. Can you really trust God if, if whatever it is, X, happens in your life? Can you really trust that God cares for you? Do you really believe the strange events about Jesus? Can you remain devoted to God and worship to Him? We've all heard questions like this, maybe not exactly. And these are certainly questions that the Thessalonians would have been hearing themselves as well. As they've changed their lives, as they've changed who they are, as they've changed who they're worshiping and what they're worshiping and how they're living. And Paul is, is, is working his best to strengthen them from a distance and for helping them to see what the center of the gospel really is. Because he knows that they're hearing these questions. He knows that their faith needs to remain strong for them to resist the questions or to have answers for the questions when they're asked them. But for him, the first thing, and that's the first thing that I think we have to take away from this scripture this morning, is that for him, the most important thing for them to remember is the center of the gospel. And the center of the gospel is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, is it not? 
That's the center of the gospel that Paul's writing about. The death and resurrection of Jesus. That's the center on which Paul is saying, you have to place your faith. You have to set your faith. You have to be, make that, that who you are in the very center of what you believe. And that's the center of the gospel that you and I have to place our faith upon. The center of the gospel that's the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because without the death and resurrection of Jesus, do Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John mean anything to us? Not really. Without the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, is there any point or sense in reading the letters of Paul? Not really. See, what Paul is saying to us and what Paul is saying to the Thessalonians is they have to keep the very center of the Christian faith, the center of the Christian faith. And they can't make it all of these other things. Because that's not truly responding to the call of the gospel in their lives. That's not truly responding to the grace of God in their lives. See, friends, without the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the gospels are nothing. Paul's letters are nothing. And it's with the death and resurrection that you and I are offered everything. We're offered everything. It's with the death and resurrection of Jesus that you're offered salvation. It's with the death and resurrection of Jesus that you're offered forgiveness. It's with the death and resurrection of Jesus that God offers you relationship and the opportunity to call on him and to pray to him without anyone having to intercede on your behalf or offer anything on your behalf. You have a direct line to God. But that's because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He offers you a relationship to call him Father to lean into him, to place your trust on him. We're able to receive these things. You're able to receive these things because the death of the resurrection of Jesus. It isn't because of your good works. It's not because of the things that, that you and I are able to do. Those are ways we demonstrate our faith. And it's not because of the ways that we act that make us feel good or make us feel like we've accomplished something. It's not even because of our worship. And other ways that we express our adoration to God. See, friends, the center of the gospel is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. No matter what else we do, which are good things, they're all great things. But we have to remember that the center of why we do it and how we do it and because we do it, the reason we do it is because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it being the work of God, and it being offered on behalf of God out of his love for each of us. And so Paul wants the Thessalonians to remember that, even as he reminds them that trials are coming, even as he reminds them that the persecution that, that they're experiencing at that point is persecution that he knew was coming. He's saying that those who choose to follow Jesus have to make their foundation and their belief the, re the death and resurrection of him. Because that's the gospel. That's the good news. And that's the grace that you and I are able to receive and on which we are able to place ourselves as we stand our ground in the Lord. See, Paul tells the Thessalonians, my prayer is that you are standing your ground in the Lord. And we have to ask ourselves, on what ground do we stand before the Lord? Is it a ground that we stand on on which the, the foundation is the center of the gospel? 
Is it faith? Is it hope? Is it love? Or is it something else that, that is fleeting? It's uncertain. It's temporary. It's unstable. And we can only answer that question for ourselves, can't we? But what Paul is saying to the Thessalonians and what Paul says to us is, on what ground have you established yourself? And I think obviously from reading his letter and from reading, you know, it's, it's, he's saying the center of the gospel is the death and resurrection of Jesus on which you should establish yourself. In verses 11 through 13, Paul also lifts a prayer that I think we can use as a model or an example for how we pray to God. He says, now may our God and Father himself guide us on our way back to you. May the Lord cause you to increase and enrich your love for each other and for everyone in the same way as we also love you. May the love cause your hearts to be strengthened, to be blameless in holiness before our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his people. See, Paul prays this prayer and he writes it out for the Thessalonians. He writes it out for us so that we can learn what it means to be in prayer and so that we might be in prayer. We have to learn to pray and, and realize that, that prayer is central to who we are and how we stay focused on the center of the gospel. And so what can we learn from Paul's prayer? Especially this one. See, friends, Paul grounds his prayers in the life and work of Jesus Christ. He prays to God the Father, the Lord, to Jesus. He does this, you know, not to label God, but he does it because he understands that God has related and chosen to relate to us in three different ways. Through the Father, through the Son, and through the Holy Spirit. Paul understood the very idea of the Trinity. And if you think about it, I mean, this is something obviously that, that I'm sure he wrestled with. Because before he was a follower of Jesus, he was a Pharisee. He was a devout practitioner of the Jewish faith. He would have only worshipped the God of Israel, would he have not? And so for him to be willing to, to worship the triune God, the Trinity, and then him teaching it, this is him believing and seeing that God has changed how he has chosen to relate to us in offering us the center of the gospel through Jesus Christ. And then how God has chosen to continue to write to us through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, through, through God giving us his spirit to, to convict us, to guide us, to direct us, to help us to live in response to his grace. What Paul is saying is that in Jesus, in God, in the Holy Spirit, we see the very character of God demonstrated to us. And we see in Jesus Christ the, the generosity of God that's demonstrated. See, if you look at these words, Paul's getting it at the very heart of God and the character of God. And he's saying to us and to the Thessalonians, as followers of Jesus who acknowledge our shortcomings, we should want to pray and to talk to God in the same way that Paul himself was able to do so in this prayer and others. Friends, you could read his words. He's thankful. He's joyous. He's continuous. He, he, he fervently prays for these people. He shows us that God wants us his, our adoration and thanks because he knows that God can handle our desires as we pray for our own concerns and for others. But he begins by being thankful. 
He first offers gratitude and thanksgiving to God and, and he frames to us and presents to us that we can't just be people of faith who ask, ask, ask. Parents, if you've had kids, you know what it is to hear ask, 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 right? But God asks for our adoration and our thanks. And so what Paul wants the Thessalonians and us to see is that one of the first things we have to do to God is to offer him our adoration, to offer him our appreciation, to offer him our thanks and our gratitude as we go to him in prayer. And so Paul prayed for the Thessalonians in the same way that he prays for, for everyone else. And that's to give God thanks for this church community and what God is doing in their midst. And so we can model this same idea of prayer and of offering God our gratitude when we go to Him in prayer. Because gratitude helps to keep us in perspective. It helps us to keep our mind wrapped around what we've been blessed with and how God is working. Uh, gratitude helps us to stay focused. And it helps us to look around and see how God is at work. And at times, we see how God is at work in ways that we never realized it until we started looking around. The second thing that Paul modeled to the Thessalonians was a joyful prayer. Friends, think about his life. Think about his experience. Think about what went on. He had plenty of reasons not to be joyful, didn't he? Before he goes to Thessalonica, he's spending time in Philippi. In Philippi, he's imprisoned and he's beaten. He flees to Thessalonica. He shares the gospel message. A mob forms. They're driven out of town. They go on to the next town, Berea. The mob follows them and stirs up the people of Berea and causes them to go even further. See, Paul had plenty of reasons not to be joyful. He was away from this body of believers. He was away from these people that he had wanted to be with. He'd been persecuted. He'd been beaten. He didn't know what was coming next. Yet he chose joy. He chose to be joyful. He chose to be joyful in the way he prayed and in the way he faced life, even not knowing what was next. He didn't allow himself to become discouraged. As he chose joy and as he celebrated the work that God was doing in the life and faith of the Thessalonians, even as he himself had to be 100 miles, 200 miles away, because he couldn't be there with them. And finally, Paul talks about what it means to be in continuous prayer. Thessalonians isn't the only place where Paul talks about what it means to be a person in prayer continuously. He begins this prayer by telling the Thessalonians that night and day he had been in prayer for them. Because this is an attitude where God is on our minds and in our hearts, not just at the times when, when we orient ourselves to God, but God is there when we go through our daily lives, doing the work of the day, whatever it is. That's so what for Paul, when he says, night and day, I've lifted you in prayer, what he is saying for the Thessalonians is that he prayed and he, as he worked in the marketplace, making tents and other items. He's saying he prayed for them as he traveled. He prayed as he, he went beyond just having set times to go to the Lord in prayer. Paul saying he made time for prayer. And he engaged in prayer, wherever he was and whatever he was doing. This is because his life was placed on the center of the gospel, which is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
This is because he had oriented his heart towards thanksgiving and gratitude and joy and God. When it came time for prayer, he was already engaged in it. Because God was already working in his life. And finally, Paul talks to the Thessalonians. And he told them he prayed fervently for them. This isn't just him praying every once in a while, but if you look at it, it couples his, his thanksgiving and his gratitude and his joy and his continuous prayer to where he realized that even in the distance that he was, the one thing that he could do was lift in prayer this church community that he wanted to be a part of. But his prayer was that they would stand in the center of the gospel that they would find the center of the gospel and that they would stand their ground in the Lord. Friends, our world is no different than the world of the Thessalonians. When you think of the messages that we hear, when you think of the challenges that we face in our lives and, and in our, our circles, this letter applies to us in exactly the same way that it did this ancient church. When Paul is saying to us, you have to know the center of who you are, of what you are, which is of this Christian faith, which is the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You have to know on what you're standing so that you can stand your ground in the Lord. And we have to be in communication with God so that even as we face things where it might lead us astray, that might challenge who we are, that might cause us to step back in our faith and doubt, if we're talking to God, we're going to be in a place to where God will be there and the Holy Spirit will meet us in our time of need, in our time of question, or in our time of, of joy. But we have to be in the center of the gospel. In our thoughts, in our actions, in our faith, in our prayers, and in our everyday life. May we stand our ground in the Lord in the death, in the resurrection of Jesus, on which our life is placed. Amen.